If you have your Bibles, open up to 1 Peter. 1 Peter, chapter 2. We have been in a series from the beginning of the year focusing on biblical transformation, metamorphosis. We often show a slide that shows the progression from a caterpillar to a butterfly because spiritually what God wants to do in you from the inside out is transform you more and more into the image of who? Christ, right? Jesus. And we've been looking at various elements of that from the beginning of the year and we're going to continue that. And last week we raised the question, well, okay, if I were to survey, in fact, I'll survey, how many of you here desire to be transformed, desire metamorphosis, desire to be part of God's supernatural work in your life for the glory of God, for the purpose of his church? We would all pretty much amen that and and assent to that. Last week we asked the question, but why? Why be transformed? What, what's the purpose of that? Right? And if you were here last week, we saw that story of the life-saving station that started out really clear on a purpose to go out and save people who were shipwrecked. But over time, the life-saving station made improvements and, and became more of a country club and less people wanted to go get dirty and, and be risk-takers and... and It was sort of a metaphor for the church that, you know, we started as a church six years ago, six and a half years ago now, and real clear on purpose. And and the challenge for us as a church and the challenge for you as an individual is to to stay laser focused on what what, what are we about? Because if we're not careful over time, the flesh being the flesh, the devil being the devil, we can drift and we can lose focus from what it's supposed to be all about. And the next thing we know, we're doing a lot of stuff. We're getting up early. We're still coming to church regularly. Maybe now we're serving, we're giving, we're going on mission trips. But somewhere along the line, the joy goes, the enthusiasm goes. It seems like it's much more duty and drudgery than anything. And... It might just be because you drifted away from the why, right? We know, Bill, when Bill preached two weeks ago, we got real clear on the who, being all in for Jesus. Last week, we looked at, okay, the core of being all in for Jesus, but why? Why be all in for Jesus? And if your answer to that is because you're scared of going to the burning place, that's not really the core answer, God doesn't call us to to want transformation. God doesn't call us to want to obey Him and live a life of of joy and superabundance because we're scared. We're afeard of going down the chute, you know? That's not what He's about, right? Many of us still carry these images of this principle in the sky waiting for you to mess up. And as soon as you mess up, you get the call slip. Anyone ever dread the call slip? Right? In school, someone comes in the door and you're like, Vinnie Latonwa. Right? Right? Little confession. I had friends who were office aides in high school. They would just call me out. (laughs) Richie, hey! All right. Wink, wink. Thanks, man. You know, you wander around for a little bit because you got the call slip and you just make your way back to class. Anyway, confession. So anyway, um, right, we, we, we look at, at, at God in, in these ways and, and, and it really challenges us at the core. Because here's, here's a question for you. Why are you here? Why did you show up today? Now, there's going to be answers. Worship, you know, cupcakes, you know. Some of you are bummed that there's not donuts. I know, you know. Why'd you come today? Why'd you get up? Why'd you get up? I, was at, I did a, a wedding last night, and we didn't leave Upper Ojai till about 11, real late night. There's a whole lot of the folk over there still sleeping, resting. There's a whole lot of people right across the street. There's an apartment complex right here, like right there on the other side of that fence. And a lot of them are still sleeping. 
Why are you here? Right now, when I was a youth pastor, <laughs> my parents made me. You know, right? How many, right? Well, I have to be here, right? But why are you here? Well, okay, we got an answer to glorify God, right? So we're, we're looking at that. We're looking at it. Why are you here? Because if, we, if we're not clear, it has these trickle, these ripple effects down to Bible reading, prayer, service, everything. If you're not clear on who you're doing it for and why you're doing it. And sometimes we picked up these false beliefs along the way. Not intentional. You just kind of picked it up. And suddenly, X number of years into your walk with Jesus, you kind of just drifted. You just kind of drifted. And, and you come because you've always come. You read because you've always read. Nothing wrong with that. But is that really why you should be here? Really why you should be doing anything as a believer. Okay? Father, thank you for what you've been doing in our lives, individually and corporately this year. And Lord, we celebrate so much the transformation we have seen in lives. People who have stepped out in faith. People who have responded to your word. People who have, Lord, quite frankly, experienced metamorphosis. As they sit here, they are radically different than they were six months ago. Because they have been hearers and doers. Because they have been open to you speaking, even when, even when it caught them off guard. When they thought everything was good, and yet you spoke to them and said, well, what about this? And they were open and receptive, and they made a change in faith and obedience. So we celebrate that. And Lord, as we continue to look at your word, we want to celebrate what you still want to do in each one of us. So lead us and guide us now through the ministry of the Holy Spirit as we, we look at your scripture. We believe it is your word, it is truth, and it is the means by which we are sanctified. So Lord, um, do and only do things now. In Jesus' name. Amen. First Peter two nine. First Peter two nine. It was a core verse that helped us answer the question last week. Why are we here? Why to transform for what? What are we supposed to be about, right? First Peter. 2.9, let's read this verse together. 1 Peter 2.9, ready, begin. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. The scripture, I just love Scripture so much because the words matter. And last week we saw one key word that many of us just probably overlooked as many times as you've read that. What was that word? That. If you weren't here last week and, and, or you weren't, you haven't circled or underlined that word that. That word that is very important to, an, an, to answering the question of why are you here this morning? Why are we here? Because the first part of 1 Peter 2.9, chosen people, royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. How many go, woohoo? Because, wow, 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 wow. Enthusiasm. Okay, okay let, me, let, me, let me prep the question. Who does he talk, who's he talking to? Okay, so now I'm going to ask it again. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Okay. You got to embrace it at some point. You got to embrace it. Tonight, if you're watching the NBA finals, you're going to see 29,000 people dressed up and celebrating their team. Right? Unashamedly, unabashedly spending 1300 to $2,000 a ticket. To go there and cheer for their team. Why is it that God's people... Oh, ooh, chosen people. Ooh, what's up with that? Why part of that... Maybe because we don't know why we're here. We don't know why we're here. You've got to embrace these truths. So turn to the person next to you and say, He's talking about you. He's talking about you. 
right? Chosen people, royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. How many of you like that? Okay. That's okay. Yes, right? Right? Now careful. Because there's not a period after God. It's a comma. Everyone go, row, row. There's a comma, and then that word, that. Everyone say that. That is a purpose statement. It's a purpose statement, okay? It's a, it, it means, okay, for this reason, for the purpose of. So, all these wonderful truths about who we are, and we celebrate, woo! And he says, okay, comma, that. Look at it. You may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. What is the purpose? Declare his praise. Glorify him. We shared last week, it's not about us. I challenge you, and I've challenged you uh, with this over the last several weeks, even since the beginning of the year. Why did you come here today? Was it just to get, to get a good message, to get good worship, to get good fellowship, to get good coffee, right? Sometimes, and I'm, I, I, was, I started my Christian journey just like this too. Hey, let's go to church, and I hope it's a good sermon. And quite frankly, my church attendance was about me getting something out of it. And serving and giving and, and being other-centered, quite frankly, were not the reason I was getting up and driving 45 minutes to church. It was about what I was going to get, and then when it was done, then I was going to get lunch. The Lord's Day was about me getting, then after lunch, I was going to get some rest. So the Lord's Day was all about me getting and, and this verse says, no, 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 you have all these wonderful truths about you positionally that you may what? Declare his praise. Declare his praise. So when you come here next Sunday, and I invite you all back, plus friends, right? Come with the intent to declare his praise. Because here's the thing, and I shared this with you a few weeks ago. How many of you parked across the street? Do you realize that when you parked there and you were walking across the street and into this building, you were declaring God's praise? Because there might have been people driving by like, oh, people still go to church in Ojai? Those doors are open. They hear music and singing at 9.05. They hear you. Sounds good in there. What's that doing? Declaring his praise. See, by you getting up this morning, by you getting dressed, by you parking, using gas and all your stuff to get here, you know what you were doing when you got out of your car declaring that God is worth it? You didn't realize that. To this community, X number of you, however many of you are here, you got up and you said, you know what? I'm going to declare God's praise by getting up and going there because I want to say to the world, He's worth it. He's worth it. Right? And like I shared before, a lot of us, okay, and get a little mm, here, and I will use me. Deep sea fishing, worth it to get there before sunrise. You don't miss the boat. Tea time, worth it to get there, to get the earliest tea time. Right? Movie. Worth it to pay the extra to get the reserved seat. The best seat in the house. We live our lives demonstrating what's of value to us. What is of significance to us. Just look at how you use your time. Look at how you use your money. Look at, you know, what appointment you will not be late for. Mmm. Right? Something, no, we've got to get there. We've got to get there. Why? Because it's worth it. So the beauty, the joy of walking with Christ and just being who you are in Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit is you're declaring His praise just by your very life. And so this morning I want to affirm you. You didn't even know, did you? You didn't even know that walking 20 yards was a declaration to the Ojai Valley that God is still worth it. That God is still worth getting up on a Sunday morning when I could be sleeping in. No, He's worth it. He is worth it, worth it, worth it. 
And then when you leave here, it's the same thing. You're still demonstrating. You're still demonstrating. We've had people on Thursdays hear us rehearsing and come in and want to listen. We've had people on early Sunday mornings walking around the neighborhood hearing us prep and poke their head in and just go, why do we get here at 7.15, 7.30 every Sunday to prep? Not so that we sound good. Ultimately, because he's worth it. Just because he's worth it. It's that simple. That's how much we love him. That's, that's the value we have. So it's not just about us. It's that. That. We would declare his praise. Right? And so we saw this. Look in your notes there. Declare is to make widely known, to advertise, to show forth. Right? And let's go to Matthew 5.16, which is the memory verse. Right? And all these verses we looked at last week, we're just going to do a, a quick survey because these are key verses. Key, key, key. They sound simple, but I'm going to tell you something. You should memorize all of these verses. Because in our culture, we have been raised very, very self-centered. Very, very me-centered. And it has bled into the church. And we church shop. And we look around for churches that meet our needs. These verses, honestly, for me personally, have been very challenging, even pastorally, because God is like, well, why do you do this? Is this something you're getting out of this, Richie? Is this a pat on the back? Is this some kind of self-esteem issue? What's your real motive here, Pastor? And I've been challenged with these verses. Just, you know, I've memorized them in years past. But just this week, last couple of weeks, I'm just going over them and over them. So let's look at Matthew 5.16, right? In the same way, let your light shine before men that, there it is again, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So, our light wants to shine. We're called to be salt. We're called to be light. But what's the purpose of that? That people would praise God. It's not about us. It's not about us getting the glory and the pats on the back. People should look at your life and go, wow. And you should be with joy. Yeah, that's God. Only God. How many of you, as you sit here today, have been transformed and know that it was only a miracle of God? That's your testimony. That's Matthew 5, 16. You're living that right there. Let people see that light so that they praise him, right? Turn to John 15, 8. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John 15, 8. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Who wants to bear much fruit? Right? What's the first part of that? This is to whose glory? The Father's. As you come to church, as you read, as you pray, as you experience transformation, it's for the Father's glory. It just brings Him the glory. Turn to 1 Corinthians. Keep going right. So you're going to come to Acts. Right, and you're going to come to Romans, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Hmm. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Right? You wonder about diet, exercise, all these habits and everything. Well, it's not, you know, it's not just slap on the wrist kind of stuff. You know, sometimes, again, unfortunately in the church, we all don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. No, flip it around. I want to honor God with my body. The decisions I make are about honoring Him, glorifying Him. It's not just a bunch of no's. It's the ultimate yes. Glorify and honor God. Amen? You see how it flips it? Right? And yet, somehow in the church, it got flipped around. And don't do this. Don't do this. Christians don't do that. Christians don't do that. No. Let's just cut to the chase. We want to honor God with our body. We want to honor God with our body. Right? And then keep going. Write a couple chapters. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. 
The Apostle Paul makes a really broad statement here. 1 Corinthians 10.31 So whether you eat or drink or what? Whatever you do, do it all for what? The glory of God. Whoo! You want a life verse? You want a verse that, that is the hub of school, of work, of hobbies, of habits, of spiritual disciplines, service, giving. You want a hub verse because it says whatever you do, there it is. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Oh, even coming to church is done for the glory of God. And here's the thing. As God works on you and works on me and these these verses penetrate our core purpose and meaning in life, there's liberation. There's freedom. There's freedom. See, there was a ver- there was a time when I, I would do weddings in the past and, and I would pray. Because, you know, there's always around people you don't know. It's a different setting. You're sort of the guest. You're the pastor, preacher. People come from all over. They don't know me for anyone. So in the, in the, in the humanness, I can get nervous. And I used to just, oh, Lord, help me do this right. Help me, you know, be clear. And, and it was my prayers were very much me-centered. Lord, help me get through this. Lord, help me be clear. Help me calm my nerves. A lot of my, my prep for these, doing these weddings was about Lord helping me. Yesterday, last night, when I did the, the ceremony, it was so cool because I, was, I, I prayed these verses. Lord, be glorified. Lord, my heart's desire is that you would be glorified because I know there's going to be all, I mean, on this side and this side, there's going to be believers, non-believers. They don't know me. It's not about me. Lord, just be glorified in this ceremony. And it was liberating. Because my focus wasn't on me and my nerves and my anxiety. It was releasing and trusting the power of the Holy Spirit, but with the desire that He would be glorified. There's liberation if we can get over ourselves. And the challenge, the challenge, the challenge, the challenge in the simplicity of these verses is the simplicity of these verses. Because much of my life still, and maybe much of your life, the first filter is me. How is it going to impact me? How do I feel about that? What do I think about that? What's my opinion? Much of our lives is just, you know, the hub is the big M-E. So I encourage you, take the time this week, however long it takes. could be years. Really could be years for God to begin to unwind this to where you live a life that says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Oh, wait, being a spouse? Oh, wait, being a parent? How many of us as husbands and wives have prayed that way? Lord, let me be a husband that glorifies you. Versus, help me, Jesus. Help me, help me, help me. All the married couples are like, Huh? What difference would it make? Lord, help me be a, a, a dad. Help me be a mom that glorifies you. Lord, help me be a, 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 an employee that glorifies you. Help me be an employer that glorifies you. Lord, help Ernie be a driver that glorifies you. Yes, Lord. Right? Whatever you do. Road rage, etc. Just saying. Everything. Amen? What's the heart principle? Surrender and submission. Whatever you do, do it unto His glory. Because here's the thing, okay? Talking to me, take it the right way. We're real good at justifying ourselves. We are real good. Well, Lord, you know I struggle there, but I'm glorifying you here. And we start to bargain with God. And we start to keep score. Well, I'm really good here, but you know I really struggle with the road rage. It's just me. Wink, wink. Whatever you do. That's why it's going to take a while. Because He's going to confront you and me lovingly. It's called conviction. It's called rebuke, reproof. He does it because He loves us. Amen? That's why it's going to take a while. 
Because we all have blind sides. We all have blind sides. And sometimes our habits are not glorifying to God, but we, de- we define them as a habit, as a just meism. But it's really not glorifying to God if we were to look at it scripturally. And I just encourage you. Why are you doing it, though? If you're doing it for the glory of God, why is that important? Because you'll receive the correction. Because it's for His glory. He's not trying to pound you. He's not trying to beat you up. He's not trying to say, eh, 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 eh. He's trying to say, hey, do you really want to glorify me? Well, here's a little area that you can start. Wouldn't that be cool? Isn't, isn't that the way He wants? That's the joy of walking with Him. But sometimes we struggle with that because our purpose wasn't even clear. We were just sort of like, oh, man, I just feel like He's keeping score. And, and the only time I hear from God is when I mess up. Anyone? You ever have that situation, whether it's at home or with the boss? How many of you? The only time you heard something was when you messed up. Show of hands, right? Sometimes we translate that to God. Everything's cool, everything's good, and then, you know, you do something, it's like, oh, got to avoid him. How many of you ever did something at home, and you knew when mom and dad got home, you were going to hear about it. So you somehow just kept avoiding them. Got to go to school going to go hang out, right? As long as you could, you kept avoiding him. Sometimes in our life, we know there's an area that's not glorifying to God, and we just got to go in avoidance. And sometimes we stop coming to church. The ultimate avoidance. Don't go to church. Stop fellowshipping. The very place where you can be loved and helped and edified, and someone can come alongside you and say, hey, you know what? I struggled with that too. I struggled with that too. Let me help you. The very place that God wants you to stay connected to Him, the church, when we're running and we're avoiding, we bail on this. Okay? It's not a license to sin, but we all understand we're all in process. Amen? All right, turn to the person next to you and say, God's not done with me yet. It's God, God's not done with me yet. Be patient. Right? And as we do this, it translates into the church as a whole, right? Go one book back. Go to Romans. Look at Romans 15. Romans 15. Verse 5 and 6. Romans 15, verse 5 and 6. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement... This is Paul speaking to the church at Rome. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. So that with one heart and mouth you may, what? Glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Old High Valley Christian Fellowship exists. Follow Christ Jesus. Glorify God. Amen? That's what we're about here. That is it. But see, what happens over time, if we're not careful and we lose our focus, it's about the facility. It's about the youth program. It's about the worship. It's about the preaching style. It's about, it's about, it's about. And that starts to feed the flesh. And now all of a sudden we're talking about church names and church buildings and church programs and where's the latest thing and who's got the best this and who's got the best that. And we just get all tied up in knots and twisted. Why? Because we drifted. We drifted from simply following Christ Jesus that we may glorify God. Amen? That is what we do here. And, and, and I got to tell you, this week, hours and hours just reinforced as a senior pastor. God was like, this is it. Be followers of Christ Jesus in unity, glorify God. What is, the, what is the core of that? The Word of God and the Spirit. That's what we're about here. And, and so as shepherds, you know what we're called to do? We're called to love you and to speak the truth in love. To help you be transformed. Which means at times we may have to say, hey, here's what the Word of God says in that area. How can we help you? It's not because you're our project. It's not to fix you. It's to get you in the transformation process because here's the crazy thing. 
the more of you that are in transformation, the more of you that purpose to give God the glory in whatever you do manifests itself corporately. And what would be awesome, 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 is for this valley, the reputation of Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship, not the building, not the worship, not the preacher, not anything other than, man, that Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship, they follow Jesus and they want to glorify God. If that's the reputation, woo! Let it stop there. They follow Christ Jesus. They want to glorify God, period. That's it. That is God has brought so much clarity. Everything we do, mission trips, great. Women's events, men's Bible studies, great. Develop a youth ministry down the road, great. Maybe one day, God willing, move, great. But you know what it is? It's all part of being Christ followers and glorifying God. We have to always keep the main thing the main thing. The minute we start to drift, we get churches get tied up in division, disunity, quarreling, squabbling. Why? Because it goes from here to me. And no longer is it me about glorifying God and using my gifts to glorify God. It's about, oh, they're not meeting my needs anymore. That is something we are very aware of. Especially as churches start to mature and we get comfortable with one another. The thing about, I like about this is God has brought so many new people and keeps bringing new people in the first six months that some of you lose your seats. Some of you are sitting in places that catches me off guard. Hey, Mark and Kathy, right? what are you doing on the left side? Usually you're on the spiritual side, the right side. Just kidding, right? Yeah, I see, you know. All the lefties are that's it! I'm not coming back. Well, you know. You know I love you. See, I love that. Because, right, if you're not careful over time, that's my seat. And you're coming here early not to glorify God. To get your seat. And if we were honest and I had a time of confession, some of you, we need to confess that. Right? I take it as a good thing you want to get here early. I'm just going to believe it's because the preaching. You want to get here early and get a good seat for the preaching. Well, Steve, Steve's on the left side, so I'm just going to leave it right there. <laughs> We just got to be careful. Amen. It's joy. It's freedom in Christ. As long as we keep the main thing, the main thing, we can laugh, we can cry, we can pray, we can lovingly challenge. If we're all in unity about why we're doing it, why we're doing it, right? And so I encourage you, I don't, you know, that's fine. Sit where you want to sit. That's great. But I encourage you, maybe sometimes purposely don't sit where you always sit and just see what happens. You might make some new friends. <laughs> Crazy, right? Something as small as that. Meet and greet. Oh, hi, you come here? <laughs> You're only like 10 feet away, but you never see each other because you always sit around the same people, right? I challenge you, move around. Move around. Free up a little bit. Loosen up. I've got to loosen up. It's okay. It's okay. So Paul says, hey, Romans 15, as a church, be united, keep the main things the main things. Be followers of Christ Jesus, glorify God. Can we do that? All right? Because we have to be careful. Turn to Romans 2. Keep going back in Romans. There's an example where the Apostle Paul speaks to uh, the Jews in, the Rome, in Rome. And, and understand, Apostle Paul was a Jew. He's speaking to them in love, in truth and love. But look at, what, look at what he says to them. Look at what he says to them. And this is what happens if we drift, if we drift from the core purposes. Romans 2.17. Now you, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and brag about your relationship to God, if you know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of infants, because you have in the law 
the embodiment of knowledge and truth. You then, who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say people should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who brag about the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Now, in context, he's speaking as a Jew to other Jews, but there's a broader application here to to us who would consider us good Christian moral people. He says, hey, you guys claim in the name name of being Jews, God's chosen people. You have your confidence in, in having the law, right? And you actually do some things. You're serving God. you got some good works. And then he calls them out. He says, you know what? Here's the deal, guys. The sinful choices you're making are causing God's name to be blasphemed among the Gentiles. How they were living their lives was causing God's name to be blasphemed. That word blasphemy, right? Not something you hear very often. It's in your notes there. To speak harm to, to defame, to bring into ill repute. Next week we'll look at the verses in Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Exodus. In the Old Testament, God was very clear and He was very upset with His people because His people were living and had become so comfortable in the pagan world that God's name was being blasphemed among the pagans and non-believers. God's chosen people were living in such a way that He said, Hey, I'm calling you out. My name is being blasphemed among the pagans and non-believers, among the Gentiles. And there's an application to us who claim the name Christ, who profess to be Christians, who, right, we don't have the law, but we now have all 66. And we claim to to be Christians and we brag about being a Christian and having a relationship with God and we carry Bibles around and we go to Bible study and we're going to come Wednesday and we, we start to rest on how we serve and how we give and all these things that we begin to rest on. And here's a challenging thing. Does my life, the way I live out there, does it glorify God among the Gentiles or does it bring blasphemy? See, the crazy thing, the Jews had such reverence for the name of God, they wouldn't even say it. You guys know that, right? So reverent, they wouldn't even say the name God. They didn't want it to be dishonored, and yet they wouldn't speak it with their lips, but their lives were bringing God's name into dishonor. Their lives. And the question for us, right, if we're clear on our purpose, being all in for Jesus and doing it for His glory, when you leave here, when you leave here, Are you going to live a life that brings glory to God's name? Or God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles? Wow. That's a challenge. Because see, you, when we break here, right? How many of you ever seen uh, watch football, right? They all huddle, right? They call the play, and at the end of the huddle, the quarterback goes, ready, break, right? All right, so we're going to practice that. I'm going to say ready, and we're going to break. Okay, so we all huddle up. Sunday service, like a huddle. Body of Christ gets together. We hear the word of God. God calls the plays. He speaks truth to you, gives you application. Go do this, go do this. When we break, and when they say, when they hike the ball, everyone's supposed to do what they're supposed to do in the play. Everyone got that, right? That's football, right? So we go ready, break, and we all go to the line, and we all run the play when it's snaps. It's okay? So on the count of three, I'm going to say ready, and we're all going to clap and say break. Okay. One, two, three. Ready? Break! Now, when you said break, you have an assignment to fulfill. Eleven players on that football team, when they call the play and they go, ready, break, and they go to line, they hike the ball, every single player has a specific job to do in order to be successful, to advance the ball. When we say amen at the end of service, it's like saying, ready, break! And now you go do your... Now you just go do what God told you to do. 
And then the great thing is, next Sunday we huddle again. We huddle. We sing songs, we fellowship, we eat. But the truth is, when you leave here, it's ready, break, and you go run the play for another week. You just do what God told you to do. And if you need help, you ask for it. Isn't that cool? We huddle, we hear God's word, we worship, we go ready, break, and we go out. And we're all responsible for just what we're supposed to do. I'm not responsible for your job. That's your job. The quarterback does what the quarterback does. The receiver does what the receiver does. The center does what the center does. The guard does what the... Everyone just does what they're supposed to do based on the play called and their success. Amen? That's what we're about here. That's what we're about here. So how do we work through this? If there, there, there's areas in your life, honestly, that might be good to go. You're like, oh, man, Lord, thank you. I praise you. You've done such good things, and you got that kind of set. There may be areas that are maybe a little more uh, 60-40, right? 60-40, good, struggle more. And then there may be areas where the scale's like this. And we're like, oh, Lord, you know, I'm really struggling with that one. Here's my challenge to you. Pray and ask which one God wants you to work on first. Pick one. Pick one. And just start there. Lord, I pick this. And in this area, you said I'm supposed to glorify you in this. Okay, I'm just going to start praying that you would be glorified in this. Just start praying for him to show you how to be glorified. And he will. Just start praying that prayer. Lord, in my language, how, does it, how can I glorify you? Take it the right way. In my attitude towards others on the road, how can I glorify you? In my school homework, how can I glorify you? Just ask that question and see what it starts to do. Just start turning these areas of struggle around into how do I glorify you? And see what happens. See what happens. I think a weight will lift. And there will be a joy because as you make progress, you're glorifying Him. It's, it, it, it's, it's incredible how much weight and burden we start to carry. Right? How much weight and burden. And we're going to close. Turn to Romans 13. It's a choice we make. It's a choice we make. Romans 13, verse 11. And do this, understanding the present time, the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because your salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. I love that in the New King James it says, put on. Put on Jesus, right? And what does that mean? What does it look like? It's a decision we make. And uh, I asked Tyler, and Tyler volunteered actually. Uh, Tyler, why don't you come up and share just your story about what it means to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, to be clothed with the Lord Jesus Christ in our everyday life. some opportunities for you. 
I need some help in the youth group over um, at the church where we're at. So I started in ministry there, and we started doing the youth group, and that wasn't quite enough. So then I started praying some more, saying, okay, how else can I do this? Can I praise you more? And, and then all of a sudden I get a knock on the front door by Richie, <laughs> saying, I was thinking about starting a Bible study. Would you come along with me and do that? And I had this other guy I wanted you to meet named Bill. And so we, we started this Bible study, and then guess what happened? And then look out here. This is the result of it. And then, again, I'm like, okay, I want to do some more. How else can I glorify you, Lord? So then, last Wednesday, I retired um, from my job, and which is, yeah. And, and well, okay, how can I make this glorify you? So now, I'm, now maybe to glorify Kim, I won't be around as much because I'm going to be with her a lot, and to give her a break from the house, I'm starting more in ministry. So I'm here and more available for all of you that, which in return, I'm glorifying God. So that's just two small areas of my life, how it's really transformed me in glorifying God. And I just want to thank you all for that, and you're going to see a lot more. Now, Galatians 3.27 says this, For all of you who are baptized into Christ Jesus have clothed yourself with Christ. Okay, so I want to be sure you understand. Positionally, when you put your faith in Christ, you are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. As you sit here right now, Jesus, you're clothed in his righteousness, so God the Father is 100% happy with you. So smile. Because he sees Jesus' righteousness. This verse is saying, is a command that we are to do daily, which is to put on Christ Jesus, to appropriate everything he has for us, to walk in the spirit. It is a command, a daily thing that we can choose to do. Put on Christ Jesus. Put on Christ Jesus. Right. Last night, uh, the couple I married was Josh Swallows and um, Stephanie. And, you know, that's Cindy's son. And if you don't know, uh, Larry Swallows, uh, Cindy's husband, uh, he and I developed uh, a relationship like this over several years, and uh, a number of years ago, he died from cancer. And we had um, just developed uh, a brotherhood that uh, we shared everything and spent a lot of time together. And so when they, when they asked me to, a year ago when they asked me to marry them, I, I shared with Josh before the ceremony. I said, you know, dude, this, this is not just pastoral. This is really personal. And then I chatted with Cindy before the ceremony, because God had put it, really put it on my heart to, to speak to Josh and Stephanie on, on behalf of Larry out of my relationship with him. And as you can guess, it was just an emotional, an emotional time. Part of, part of what God put on my heart, um, uh, just out of my love and, and to honor Larry and, and make it special for Cindy and Josh, was um, before Larry died, He had given me some boots. And it was a country theme. It was a kind of a cowboy themed wedding. And I didn't tell the family that I was going to wear Larry's boots. And so I showed up and I shared with Cindy and, and I shared with Josh. And it was emotional. And during the, the, the service, I just shared with Josh on behalf of Larry how proud he would be. And, and I welcomed Stephanie on behalf of the Swallows family, uh, for Larry. i got to tell you something. Putting on these boots, I, can, I cannot describe the impact it had on me. And so uh, we left there late. I got home and prepping, and around midnight or so, this verse came. Put on Christ. And I had just literally walked in Larry's shoes for seven hours. And I understood more profoundly what it is to put on Christ. Because when I, when I wear these boots, it changes, it changes me. There's a recognition of, of, of who they are and what they represent. And then when I spoke to Josh and Stephanie and, and Cindy with the boots on, there's, 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 it's just so different. Because it's born out of relationship. Almost on behalf of Larry. And so last night, uh, it was a late night as I was pondering this verse, and Jesus says, hey, 
Apostle Paul says, put on Jesus. Put on Jesus every day you wake up, just like your clothes. There's a quote on the back. Right? Let's look at that and then we'll have communion. Turn your notes over. Some Ray Stedman. He says this, When I get up in the morning, I put on my clothes, intending them to be part of me all day, to go where I go and do what I do. They cover me and make me presentable to others. That is the purpose of clothes. In the same way, in the same way put on Jesus Christ when you get up in the morning. Make him a part of your life that day. Intend that he go with you everywhere you go and he act through you in everything you do. Call upon his resources. Live your life in Christ. It's my encouragement to you. Be all in for Jesus. Do it all for his glory. And how do you do that practically? Every day you wake up, you put on Christ. Just like you do your clothes. He's with you everywhere you go and everything you do. And you just want him to be seen. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for teaching me personally what it meant in a profound way to put on Christ through a pair of cowboy boots. And Lord, I pray as we leave here, as we say ready, break, we would go out and put on Christ, advertise, declare, give praise and honor to you by how we live, by how we live. And so as we prepare for communion, may this be a time of remembrance, but also, Lord, as we, ta- as we take the time to reflect, maybe there's one area, one area, just one, where we know things aren't where they need to be. And perhaps in this time of remembrance and reflection, our heart would be open and we would simply say, Lord, how can I glorify you in this one area? And truly be open to what you would say. So we're going to take communion. You can come forward, uh, grab two cups. You can go back to your seat. Take communion as you would like. You don't have to wait for everybody. And then we'll close uh, the service.